the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace, a marvelous word that is sometimes overused. Let's talk about biblical grace next. Ask 10 different people what their definition of grace is, you'll probably get 10 different answers. So we have to go to the Bible to find out what true grace is all about, biblical grace. God himself is the final author of this grace. So let's do that, shall we? Welcome to Times of Refreshing from the Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. We're going to focus in on biblical grace today, and we would invite you to tag along as we see what grace really is and what it's not. With today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing Now, here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. There has been a a, a really a perversion, and I've been really talking about this for years. I've been talking about this and really have been thinking about what was coming in terms of the perversion of grace. And the devil's very crafty, but I, I thank God for his wisdom and through the scripture, because the scripture, it helps to give life, it helps to give illumination. And uh, when we look at these scriptures, we're going to see that this is something that had been going on, it's something that will continue to go on, but we have to be mindful because the enemy will focus on a particular area and he'll try to bring distortion to it. So that all of us become confused and in some cases we start leading other people down the wrong road. But the book of Jude, verses 1 on down to 4 are very, very good. And we're going to take a look at this. He says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. He says, mercy Peace and love be multiplied to you. He said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary. Somebody say necessary. necessary. And so it was in his mind, we see in Jude's mind, he thought that this was necessary. It was something that was needful. It was something that had to be dealt with. It was a concern upon his heart. Something that he had looked at. Something he knew was an issue or a problem, and it was necessary for him to respond. He wanted to talk about other things, but this is the thing he had to address. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, to, ex- uh, to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And so he's saying there's been an attack on our faith. There's something that's going on with our faith that I had to talk to you about. I need to address this. And he says here in verse 4, he says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, meaning they got in through stealth, by stealth. 
He says, who long ago were marked out for, for this condemnation. He says, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into what? And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he, what he's saying is, is that basically the faith is under attack, but grace is under attack. And individuals are turning the grace of God. They're turning it from its purest form, from this, the purity of its form. They're turning it into lewdness. It is supposed to be like this, but they're making it like this. This word lewdness in the Greek, it means licentious. It means lasciviousness. The word here means license. It means debauchery. Sexual excess. Absence of restraint. An insatiable desire for pleasure. Okay? And so Jude is saying that the grace of God... How now has been perverted and it's, 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 is helping to cultivate and breed. He says lasciviousness, license, uh, without any kind of restraints, um, debauchery, sexual excess. And it, and it's helping to create an indissatiable desire for pleasures. This was an issue, was a problem. He goes down in this particular epistle and he begins to highlight the character of these individuals who are doing this. We're not going to go down into that. But he's basically trying to make this point that the grace of God and our faith is under attack because people are perverting grace. They're making it something that it is not. And one thing you will always hear in this church, and that is this, that grace is not a license to sin. It is the power and the ability to overcome sin. And we have to keep that in mind as we're thinking about the grace of God. Now, let me say this. God's grace is two, it, it's like a coin. It has two sides. Number one, God's grace is God's unmerited favor or benefit towards you. Meaning, you did not er, uh, earn it, but Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you. You didn't do anything to, to merit that, to earn it, for him to even extend this precious gift of salvation to you. He did it freely and openly because of his vast love for humanity, his diet, desire for all of us, for all of us to get to know him and become, you know, uh, united together with him. We didn't earn it. This opportunity that he provided for us and he provided this opportunity for the whole world. He's given everyone access to this, to this grace. So grace is his unmerited benefit. It's his, his, his willingness to do something for us even though we did not deserve it or earn it. But grace is not just his unmerited favor and benefit. It's also his power and his ability. So he, he frees us from the condition. Well, he gives us access to get out of our condition. But then he frees us to overcome and stay away from our old condition. Jesus didn't just die for your actions. He also died for your condition. 
And so what happens is we have to see the grace of God as an empowerment. He gives you power over your old sinful lifestyle, over the old Jew. His grace has been extended and he's given you power over the old Jew, over your old condition so that we don't repeat the same actions. And so we have to embrace that as we're thinking about his grace, that God is empowering me. You mean to tell me that he's going to give me power over lust, power over fear, power over anger, power over bitterness and hatred, power over lying that God will empower me to stop? Yes, I'm telling you right now, he will give you power through his grace. Amen. This is what he does. And he does it. He does it freely. He makes this available. Don't limit God's grace to him just forgiving you for what you did. Access the power that he's also given you through his grace. Okay? And so we have to see this. And I'm going to show you this in the scripture. And so what happens is for all of us here, we have to think of it as an unmerited benefit. But part of the benefit is he, he's empowering me to do what I could not do in my own strength. He gives me power over sin. He gives me power over the devil. When the devil had his foothold in my life and I wanted to do what's right, but I couldn't do what's right because I felt like something was just driving me. Jesus came in and he set me free from the power of the devil. Amen. He came in and he graciously did this. He graciously did this for me. And so we have to see that we have power over the devil. And then not only that, we have power over the world and the world systems, if you will. The devil, the Bible calls him the little G God of this age. He's influencing people and getting people to go down a certain path towards destruction. Well, Jesus comes in and he empowers me to get outside of that. That I don't have to do what the world is doing. I don't have to enjoy what the world is enjoying. I don't have to go down the same road that the world is going. Can I preach this this morning? I just feel that I don't have to do that. Because God gives me power through, the, through his grace to overcome and stand outside the camp, if you will. And you'll hear me say this all the time. We have to be like the salmon. We have to swim upstream. Everyone else is going down this road. Well, I'm not getting involved in that. They think it's strange that you don't go to the drinking parties and like to do those things anymore and get involved in that stuff. They think it's strange. Why? Because everybody does that, brother. Everybody does that. That's a good time. It's amazing how, isn't it amazing how people can't seem to have a, a good time unless they're drinking? Why does it always have to be alcohol there? Why does it always have to do be some kind of, you know, marijuana or, or cocaine or some drugs? Or why does it have to be nasty? Can I have an amen? That's, why, why does it always have to be that? Can I just have a good time when I'm in my right mind with you? Can I have an amen? amen? So what happens is, saints, we get, God delivers us from that. He frees us from that. It's a power, a part of what he does. It's an empowering influence in our life. This is what he seeks to forge. Okay? So the enemy is trying to take the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness. Nothing wrong with that, pastor. It's the grace of God. There's nothing wrong with that. It's Okay? There's no boundaries. You're being religious. You're being controlling. You know, God's not like that. And you and, and people, and this is the devil's scheme. 
It's the devil's scheme. But the God that we serve, let me remind you, he does have boundaries. And we have to learn to have a great time within the boundaries and limitations that he's set for us. And his boundaries are always there because he knows those things that can corrupt us and destroy our lives. But he loves us enough to say, listen, just stay away from this. You can have, go, go and enjoy yourself as much as you want. Just stay within these boundaries because if you get over here, this is where the devil's lurking. We have to see this as God's mercy and grace. But what Jude is saying here. And he says it, for certain men have crept in, verse 4, unnoticed, who, have, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of God into to lewdness, denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be sensitive. If we're receiving a gospel that gives us license to do anything, then it is not true biblical grace and it's not the gospel of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be sensitive about this and understand that God, he does has a, have a standard and he's looking for us to go to the next level as he empowers us to do so. Amen. Look at this. Go to first John chapter three. And this is kind of, this is kind of heavy, but I wanted to, to address this today. I think it's, it's very, very appropriate. First John chapter three, verse four on down to nine. Look at verse four. Now, remember, this is the apostle of love, John the beloved, who had a clear, he walked with Jesus, had a clear grasp of the love of God and the compassion of God, God's grace and his mercy. But listen to what he says here in first John chapter three. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is what? Lawless. And you know that he, he was manifested, manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. He says, whoever abides in him does not what? Sin. He doesn't make sin his lifestyle or his life's practice. And you're going to see this here. He doesn't make, whoever abides in Christ doesn't, sin is not their lifestyle. It's not the way in which they conduct their affairs on a day-to-day -day basis. All of us in this room are on the potter's wheel. We know that we're not, we're not perfect. We're all capable of sinning. We know that. But we also know that God, through the power of his spirit, gives us power to overcome our sins Power to overcome the influence of sin. And sin should not be the predominant expression of our life now because Christ is in our lives. He gives us power to overcome sin in our day-to-day -day lives. And, and we thank God. God, I thank you that you're empowering me to overcome the old me. You're empowering me to overcome the old me because you've been gracious to me in my life. He says here in verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins, now watch this, makes this his continual lifestyle. He says, has neither seen him nor known him. He says, little children, now this is the key, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is what? Just as he is righteous. 
So now what I want to do is I want to go from being declared positionally righteous to now experientially righteous. God has declared me righteous through my relationship with Jesus Christ, through me releasing my faith, embracing his grace. He declares me righteous, but now he wants his righteousness to be forged in my day-to-day life. So now it becomes my practice. It's not just my position, it's my practice. It's what I'm doing now because of the grace of God that's in my life, because of the power of God that's hit my life. I don't have to cheat on my wife. I don't have to cuss on my job. I don't have to lie on my taxes. I don't I don't have to do these things. Why? Because God has come into my life through the power of his grace as I've released my faith. And now he's empowering me to overcome the old me. Will I be tempted in these areas? Of course. Will I be tested? Of course. Will there be times and moments in my life that I stumble? There may be times. But it's not my lifestyle and practice any longer. God is working on me. He's, he's giving me. It becomes my lifestyle. And before long, now, it's not just I've been living right for a week. Now I've been living right for a month. And I've been living right before God for six months. And, I, man, I stopped lying two years ago. And I, th- you know what I mean? So what happens, saints, we st- it becomes a practice. It becomes a practice. And then people begin to look at us and say, man, what happened to him? He used to be a low-down, dirty rat. But now, he look at him. He's loving his families. What happened to him? And what people begin to see, your life's practice change. I love John. He says, little children, let no one deceive you. Verse 7, he who practices righteousness is righteous. It's about what we're doing also. The grace of God, that the, 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 the grace that people are teaching now, they say, you don't worry about what you're doing. But he just said, think about what you're doing. He who practices righteousness is righteous. A sign that you're truly righteous is that you're practicing righteousness. It becomes your lifestyle. And we can't turn away from that. The word of God is true. He says, just as he is righteous. Look what he says in verse Eight, he who sins or makes sin a continual aspect of his life and his life's practice, he says, is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of man, of son of God, was manifested that he might destroy the works of who? The devil. He says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, does not make this his continual lifestyle. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin he cannot make this his continual lifestyle why because he has been born of god salvation isn't just heard it's seen say man this guy man i see him under pressure i see him he's that guy's a christian he's not just talking about it he's 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 living it out he's he's doing it you know he's like like lynch said he's about that action boss he's doing it he's doing it he's doing it 
He's doing it. Not just talking about it. Not just shouting in church, but living it. Saying, I'm here. I'm faithful to my family. I'm faithful to my God. Wherever I'm at, I'm living for Jesus. It's my lifestyle. I've got to do it. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of tests, I'm living for God. It's my, it's my practice. Say, let me say this. It's, it is about your actions. It's about what you're doing. It is about it. And the devil wants to convince us that it's not. But let's see what the scripture says. Go to the book of James chapter 2. And let's let the scripture, let's let the scripture speak. James chapter 2, verse 17 on down to 26. It says here in verse 17, he says, thus also... Faith by itself, if it does not have works or actions or acts of obedience, acts of obedience, he says is dead. It means nothing. I can say that I have faith if my faith does not result in my obedience or what the Bible would classify as works here in this passage of Scripture then what happens is it means nothing. I can say, God can tell me, I want you to go down to this street, I want you to turn right, and then I want you to stand right there, and I want you to minister to this person. And I can say, yes, Lord, I believe you, I'll do it. I believe you, Lord. But I'm not showing God that I believe him if I never take the steps. And we're going to see this in this passage of Scripture. It says here in verse 18, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my what? Works. By my acts of obedience. I'm going to show you that I have faith in God. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I have faith in God. And I'm going to show you by doing what he's asking me to do. He says in verse 19, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Verse 20, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Works are acts of obedience. Then he begins to clarify this in verse 25. I love it. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now, we have to stop here. Because this is where the confusion comes in. We're not doing anything to prove that we have salvation. We're doing things because we have salvation. I'm not doing anything to earn my salvation. But as a result of me having salvation, this is the result of it. Abraham here, now watch this. Only thing he did when he offered his son Isaac was basically do what God had asked him to do. And God called that works. His act of obedience, according to this verse, was classified as works in the sight of God. He didn't go out with his own idea to do this. He did it because he knew that this was something that God was asking him to do. And the Bible says he was justified when he responded in obedience to God's command. That is, take your son and and, and offer him up. His willingness to go forth and do that was a sign that he had faith, and his faith was accompanied by some actions. What happens for a lot of us is we, we get stuck like 
like the demons. And we believe that God exists. But are we, all of us, are we willing to do what God says to say that we have true, true, authentic, and biblical faith? What happens for us is we get stuck with this lascivious grace and we don't think that God is looking for us to be human beings that respond to his demands. And we'll say, well, Jesus paid it all. Well, well, you know, I don't listen at the end of the day, whatever God tells you to do, do that. Can I have an amen? Do that. And God calls that. He calls that a good work. You're listening to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. As we close out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening and this program is encouraging you on a daily basis. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to us. By phone, of course, and that number is 925-292-7800. Again, 925 925- 292-7800. Or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Neeson Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. While we would normally invite you to join us here on campus for worship services, we're not able to do that. So what we would invite you to do is join us online. Now, there are three ways you can do that. You can either visit our church app, and if you don't have that on your smartphone or your tablet, you're more than welcome to visit your favorite store and download it for free. Or go to our website, thewellchurch.net. Or visit our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030 in the morning. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And we're praying and standing on his truth during this time and remembering God is in control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you again for spending time with us here today on Times of Refreshing. Until next time, God bless.